How's it, how's it? My name is Mark Haystack and you're listening to the Birding Life Youth Podcast's second season's first episode. It's been a jam-packed holiday, I'm back at school now, and in this episode I share a bit of what I've been up to and some adventures I've gone on, but also have a chat to a good friend about what he's been up to and some awesome things he's found during his holiday. And now going into matric, what he's going to be doing. So, without further ado, I welcome Declan Jordan. Alrighty then, so I'm just chatting to Declan Jordan here. Um, I'm going to jump straight into it. We got onto an interesting topic of Feinbos. Uh, Declan sent me a photo of, you sent me a photo of this interesting overall Feinbos field guide when you, 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 you were looking at it when you recently went to Cape Town, you said. But um, yeah, man, I actually, I've been watching your statuses and you'd seem like you've been up to quite a lot of adventures lately. Um, I've, I've also been trying to keep up to up to date with getting outside and going on eight stoppies to try to find some interesting bio, biological organisms and doing some bio bashing. But I want to hear from you. You know, uh, school's been out for a while. We've been on holiday. What have you been up to? And did you actually take a trip to Cape Town? Um, so I went to Cape Town in April last year and I got the book not too long after that. And um, I was looking through just random photos that I had taken throughout the trip at the uh, through the book, looking at the photos, reading about the plants. And there's a lot that you get in the book about the identification and it actually makes it fairly easy to ID it. But there's still a lot that I need to know and there's still a lot that I need to ID because I didn't take specific photos of the plants. It's just scenery. So it's the photos I took are... Sure, yeah, no, it's very much like that. I mean, because if, if you... Feinbos is such an interesting biome. It's one of the... They say it's the most biodiverse in the world. Um, and the amount of plants in the biome, I don't think anyone can see every single species in their lifetime. That's how biodiverse it is. So, I mean, looking at the scenery in one meter squared block, you, you can get like a bunch of different species just there. And if you, if you look at the whole landscape, there's thousands and millions of different plants with such a huge contrasting colors and uh, especially in flower, fr- flowering season. So I can understand what the scenery could look like. I haven't been to Cape Town since I was a, a young lad, uh, but I do stay in the Western Cape, so I do experience Feinbos more often. But it's interesting, Declan, you come from the Kwazulu Natal area. Um, and yeah, I, I think Feinbos sort of does occur around the Drakensberg. Am I correct? Um, in Sani Pass, we get a little bit of Karoo Feinbos type habitat that comes over the mountain and sort of floods its way a little bit down the pass. But I don't, I'm not entirely sure how many species we get in KZN. I think we only get like five or so species of protea in KZN compared to the thousands that are in Cape Town, probably in the Western Cape. Yes. Because I first heard... I first heard that Feinbos was only restricted to the Western Cape. And most people say it like that. It's a Western Cape endemic biome. But it sort of does occur, some plants do occur elsewhere. Like ericas, for example, uh, which is orange-breasted sunbird or many other sunbird species' favorite food, does occur in uh, um, Europe. You do get ericas in Europe. It's quite insane. I didn't understand it because I was always taught Western Cape is where the Feinbos occurs. 
Um, but you were saying that this book doesn't actually cover orchids necessarily. It's just the, the special Fainbos plants. It does seem to be more towards the Fainbos biome. Um, I think it did mention one or two orchids, but there is, I know there's an orchid identification guide that is actually very good. I don't have it, unfortunately, but I do plan on getting it very soon. Okay. Do you, do you do a bit of botany? I do sometimes, especially with my dad and my uncle, because um, they are very, very big into their orchids, especially my uncle. They, it's throughout my entire life, wherever we're walking, they're looking at orchids or trees or plants. That's lacquer, man. On Friday, um, the when was it? I think it was the it was a couple of days ago, the first days of, of January. I'm recording. I'm pre-recording this podcast, obviously. So me and my friend decided we're going to take our sleeping bags and our rucksacks. Actually, our backpacks, they were not rucksacks, up onto the mountain and camp a night there. We thought the weather's not going to hold us back. We've been wanting to do this the whole of 2021. Here's the start of 2022. We're doing it. So off we go, him with his axe, me with my knobkiri, our backpacks and our sleeping bags with a little bit of food. And we hiked up the George Mountain here on the Garden Route in the Western Cape. And it is covered in fainbos and indigenous forest. I, it's, it's my... It's my happy place. <laughs> it's my favorite biome. It's my favorite area. And um, we climbed up the mountain. And he's, my friend is not actually into nature necessarily. He just loves adventures. And he's, he's a blacksmith, so he makes axes anyway. He wanted to try his axe out, so we chopped a few black wattle invasive trees along the way. But I was very interested to find orchids. Um, and I recently got into this new hobby, this new interest of botany. And I've got a, a good friend of mine who he's, he's 16 now and almost 17, but he is a professional botanist, absolutely professional. I'm, I actually can't, I'm not over-exaggerating. This guy, Ludwig Miller, he stays here on the garden route, is awesome. Um, I learned so much from him, but he's, he's gotten me into botany by um, sort of encouraging me to look at orchids. And I, I recognized a few on the way up the mountain on on friday i saw acrolophia lunata there was diacetripetaloides i'm not sure if those ring a bell i know none of the orchids from down there not not a single one <laughs> but i know there's one that okay. we found that flowers usually only around july that we found a good spot for in kloof so we've we've never really found it anywhere else so it's like your secret spot yes for that species yeah, there you go. And you get people who poach orchids. Yeah, I've heard of there's. I heard something the other day about. Um, my uncle was telling me that a couple of people actually go into people who's gardens who grow bonsais, steal their bonsais, and then sell them. And I don't know if that's technically poaching, in that sense, but it's it's. I think it's both poaching and stealing. <laughs> It, it's theft either way but i mean it's theft either way yeah yeah but i mean even like the the george mountain which is on the otanico mountain range <clears throat> is part of a it's protected by both sand parks and cape nature uh two conservation organizations and uh if you take a single plant out of the ground on that area you if you could find out Okay, I guess if you pull grass or black wattle or any invasive trees, it's fine. But if you take any indigenous plant out the ground, you can get fined. Um, so most people don't know that. I mean, you get king proteas that grow on the mountain here, which is South Africa's national flower, and people pick them every now and then because, I mean, who's going to stop them? But um, orchids are 
you, it's prohibited to pick orchids, even though some of them are really common, um, because they're just really special plants, I guess. Um, I'm not sure which you're actually allowed to pick. You might be able to pick one or two, but they're actually such interesting plants. To me, they I'm I'm a very I'm very much a beginner in in botany, but orchids and feinbos and succulents actually are are a very big interest of mine. Uh, I know Tristan uh, Spurway. Who is it? Who is it? Who who who's like a who digs um, fetplanta? Uh, succulents i think it might be tristan spurway or someone yes i think it is tristan spurway i know john kinghorn and and tony do also enjoy their plants okay yeah i think tristan's got like a a collection at home tristan if you're listening to this podcast please drop me a message and let me know if it's you (laughs) otherwise if it's not you and you whoever this is is listening to the podcast please let me know because i think i want to get in contact with you and do a bit of practice get a few tips and tricks anyways um i got a few interesting other plants up along the way which i'm still having to identify which i'm i'm going to put them on our naturalist do you use our naturalist i have it i haven't posted anything on it yet i've used it to go find some spots to look for some frogs but i haven't actually posted anything or id'd anything on it yet right because it's quite a handy thing to use when you want to go find spots where other people have found organisms you're like I actually did a bit of research on our naturalist before birding big day to see where others got species that I couldn't find. Like greater honey guide is so scarce in the garden route. It's just elusive. They're around, but there's not a lot of beautiful habitat for them. Um, <laughs> they weren't really known here uh, 10, 20 years ago, I don't think. So I used our naturalist to find that, for example. But otherwise, this year, I actually, I've made it my target to try get up to I think I'm. I think I'm on. I think I'm on. Am I on a thousand or two thousand? But I want to try get to double my my observations on our naturalist. I just get more involved because you learn so much by posting stuff and hearing from the community. Actually, um, so I'm going to make that my one of my targets for this year in, in terms of nature. Um, so yeah. But uh, anyway, going back to my story of of hiking up the mountain. Saturday morning, we woke up after sleeping in our sleeping bags on the restios and grasses and uh, mimetes plants that you get up there. The sky had cleared because it was just misty for 12 hours that we were there and we were actually getting bored and wish we brought more food so we could keep entertained by, you know, eating. Anyway, I wake up Saturday morning, 5 a.m. The clouds are below the mountain covering the town of George. And at 5.30, it rises above the clouds and just lights the sky up with orange. It was so beautiful. And there were the gladiolus plants, those beautiful flowers. Um, it's like it's got a stem and then orange flowers sticking out. They're just like, they were almost iridescent because the sun shines on them. And it was it was at sunrise. And then we blew my friend's shofar, you know, the yes, cool I horn, saw that on your And status. it just sounded across the, the oh, is it? It was epic. It was so epic. Anyways, it was such an adventure uh, with my friend who's not a bio basher. I actually managed to do quite a bit of bio bashing. Yeah, I've got a friend. Well, he's into herping. He's into like frogs and snakes and lizards and all that, but he's not a birder. But usually every time I go with them, I end up getting like 100 species wherever we go or something interesting always pops up wherever we go. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, let's see with my friend... Um, He's you know, he's really into hiking and adventuring and stuff. He's not so much into the species, more the the scenery and the thrill and the 
the deep meaning of going on a an adventure, you know. Um, but he appreciates seeing stuff and he points out things and he says, ah, oh, check this little beetle. And I'm not a, a bug expert, but I like bugs. And But he's like, yeah, this is called a, in Afrikaans, it's, it's a snipe carver, giver, giver, or a snipe, snipe or snipe. I think because it's snouts in Afrikaans. I can't remember. Anyway, he points it out to me. He says, yeah, this is that and it does this and it does this. I'm like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. So he like knows one or two little things. Just, I don't know from his mom and dad i don't know but anyways he's really cool <laughs> and we we just go on like hectic adventures and then i just trail behind checking out all the organisms um but hey how's your holiday been i heard besides the cape town stuff and the famous things that you reached the 600 species checkpoint on my bird list yes for southern africa um yes i got it in december was a very big goal of mine because last uh, no well the 2020 i got uh 500 in december and then 2021 i got 600 in december on my life list which was very very nice um last year was the only year i've actually ever birded outside of kzn managed to bird western cape and pumalanga and free state um and I uh, managed to boost my list up Fantastic. Uh, with so many amazing species that I thought I'd almost never see, but uh, managed to get some good stuff and then spent a couple weekends in Zululand, got some good frogs, got some good birds. I saw you had a couple of frog species on your on your status. There were like maybe 10 photos of frogs I've never ha- never seen before because I've, I've never biobashed in any other provinces um properly but besides the western cape like what, what, what were some of the highlight herbs you got um that trip i got one laugher herb i got uh, the mottled shovel-nosed frog which is it's it looks like a very chubby looking frog with like a very pointy nose but they're oddly athletic like this frog was was very fast it was it was actually quite funny to watch this little chubby ball just jump and so fast <laughs> um but could you catch I did, it? I did get photos of it, but um, while photographing it, I heard a noise behind me. So I was weirded up by that. So I shone the torch behind me, and about 30 meters behind me, there were, about, there were three elephant uh, walking in the bush. What? So that was, you know, and the one had some big tusks as well, well over a meter long, the tusks, like 1.2, 1.3 meters at least. Goodness. And which area were you in? Manioni. Like, exactly. I wasn't in Manioni bordering manioni we stayed at a place called igula gula lodge it's um okay nice little like... overnight place that we stayed at <laughs> yeesh that's that must have been thrilling actually to have elephants so close to you there was a an electric fence between us but i mean it's an, it is an elephant so okay i was wondering i was wondering like were you out your car inside the the reserve and looking at frogs on the road <laughs> I was I was outside the reserve, but the reserve was literally right next to me, and I was on the other side of the road, and the elephant was by the fence, and I was photographing the frog by a puddle. Yeah, but still, that is that. Yeah, that. I mean, at first when you said no, there were elephants behind me. I thought, wait, wait you were in the reserve with the elephants a few meters away. <laughs> but no, that's still thrilling. Um, I had an experience when my friend and I were staying on the edge of the Crocodile River just below Kruger and the lodge was bordering the Kruger's fence. And, uh, 
we walked up to the fence um, and we're taking photos of these elephants and the baby came up and the mom came up and the fence was like, we were standing between the, the two and a half, the three meter fence, say, and a wall that we had to jump over to get to the fence. So we were taking a chance here. So <laughs> it just keeps coming closer, gradually coming closer, you know, eating along its way. And then all of a sudden the baby runs up to the mom We thought, okay, we need to be careful because the mom's always protective of the baby. Next thing, the elephant looks at us and then starts flapping its ears and we're like backing off slowly. We're backing slowly. And it gives us this charge. It charges towards us like for 10 meters. And then it stops like a few meters just before the fence. And my friend and I are already over the wall, scratches on us. And we're like, (laughs) you know, our heart's beating out our chest. And And we looked at each other and we're like, we just got mock charged by an elephant cow. <laughs> it was, yo. So, yeah, on the other side of the fence, but an, an experience nonetheless. Yeah. My elephants were nice and calm. I shone the torch on them and it just didn't seem to bother them. They just walked off. Hmm. Was that at night? I mean, okay. Late, late, late night, early morning? Uh, it was about 10 past eight, I think. Okay, sure. I've never actually seen elephants in the dark. It's quite scary because you don't you don't really because I'm sure it must it must give like a different feel in the dark. Yeah, oh, because it's like this. It's like nothing's there, and then all of a sudden there's this massive animal that's right there, and then you look around, and then there's even more. We know we have a uh, one elephant cow that lives here in the Nizhna forest. The last free roaming elephants in South Africa. And it's the most Southern wild elephant in the world. Her name is Opwit. They've named her after the, you know, legendary and um, historical Opwit that used to live in the Nizhna forest uh, back in the woodcutter days. Um, and she, uh, wait, didn't we have a discussion about this the other day? About the documentary, the Black Bean Productions, they did a video on it. Yes, you and I actually talking about this. Yeah, they did a Sandparks and uh, Black Bean uh, documentaries have done like an interesting, a new documentary on Sandparks work with the last elephant and the protection of the forests and how how the elephant is managing. Um, and it's really, it's saddening and so interesting. Uh, but Declan, I want to go find this beast. Yes, so, I mean, she could be, they say 45 to 60 years old or something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to go find this this elephant. I think that'll be so cool. Yeah, no. I mean, it's the last free-roaming elephant in South Africa, and it's a forest elephant. You know, it's the same species as the savannah one, but, you know, it, it's adapted to the forest habitat. It's been living here for generations with the other, the other generations of elephants that got killed, literally. I mean, they just for those who are listening, the um, during the woodcutter times here in the, the southern area of South Africa, the elephants got hunted down. Uh, and mostly actually by this one man. I think his, his surname was Pretorius. Um, and he, he was the elephant hunter. They shot elephants in the forest uh, for ivory and for meat. And because, I don't know, they just created a stereotype that elephants are really dangerous and beasts that are me- not meant to be here. So they shot them. Um, and it's quite sad now. The ecosystem is... It's flipped around because these elephants aren't there to crash the bushes and push over trees and eat the grass. Um, yet the Nizhna forest still stands today with thousand-year-old trees 
that are I don't know how big how long the the Otaniku Yellowwood is here. I've been to it numerous times. It's like forty meters tall, fifty meters tall. I can't remember. I might be lying. Um, but yeah, if this is the last free roaming elephant, I want to see it before it dies. I would love to find an elephant in a forest like that. But the thing is, I've seen elephants just like disappear behind like shrubs. So I can imagine how difficult it will be to find it in a forest. Yes. Hardly any people have seen this individual. Um, they're called the, I think they, sometimes they call them the ghosts of the forest because it's a gray, large beast and it's so silent. And they communicate with these rumbling voices. You know, I mean, all the, all the elephants do is like a, a there's like low pitch grumbling sound that it actually vibrates in the soil for, I don't know, maybe a K or something. And they communicate with other elephants like that. So they say there's only one left. There are theories that there are more elephants left in this forest, but camera traps for the last few years have only picked up this single elephant and it's in public area. You're allowed to walk there. People go cycling, walk their dogs in that forest. I can go there today. I'm not too far from it. Um, but there's, here it is, you know, there's this wild elephant, huge cow walking freely there. So yeah, um, Declan, if you come down here one day again, we must uh, go for a walk and try find this beast. Are you allowed to camp in that area? I guess with permission. You can't just go without permission. You need to, you need to ask sand parks. Uh, but there's no, I don't think there's many official campsites within the forest. They should do that though. Because it would be nice to go get some proper photos of the elephant. Because it also said in that documentary that not many great photos have been taken of her. No, no. Um, only her dung and her, her footprints are encountered every now and then. There's very few people that have actually seen her. And the last photos that were taken, oh, in actual fact, last year, some laborers were working in the forest and they encountered the elephant run across the road and they got a short clip, very bad video. But that was the last time they actually saw her physically. Otherwise, the sand parks, honorary rangers and field rangers uh, track her down to try and monitor her in the forest. And they're the, I mean, if you watch that documentary that Declan and I are talking about by Black Bean um, documentaries on Instagram, you will see the guys who track her down and monitor her. They are excellent. So, yeah, um, it's just exciting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite interesting that there are elephants down there because it's so different from everything else, from all the other elephants in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so different. And they don't, even, they don't say it's a different species, but it's very, got di very different habits and adapted to a different habitat, actually. And that, that habitat's quite, quite a difficult one to, to get through and to look for her in because it's so thick with old trees and mosquitoes everywhere. And it's not a rainforest, the Nasna forest. It's, 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 it can get quite hot sometimes, but I mean, it's shady. It's very tall, big trees, um, but it's not a rainforest as such. So it's not too thick, but goodness gracious, there's people that have been lost in there. They go on a walk and they, they, they lose their sense of direction. So yeah, you and I must just watch out for that. But for the meantime, I'm going to be doing some more research on the Nasna elephant. Um, but I'm back to school now. So in actual fact, we've got a big painting at my school's entrance of Opuit on the wall. 
um, and a bit like a someone did it, you know, at our school's entrance. Beautiful. So I'm looking forward to going back to school this week. Anyways, uh, Declan, sharp, sharp, but it was nice to catch up with you and hear some of your stories and chat to you about interesting topics of South African nature. I hope you, uh, well, actually, you're finished with matric, you said, eh? Yeah, I finished last year, yeah. So this year, I'm, I'm going to be studying my fugaces a little bit, and I'm going to be um, traveling around, hopefully, a lot. Away. I'm also starting my fugaces this year. Because I don't have that much schoolwork left. I'm only I'm just finishing off the last few things. And I'm also starting it. But best of luck with that, Brew. Have a blessed uh, rest of January. Um, and yeah, I'll keep in touch. I'm really interested to hear how your Fugasa stuff goes. Thank you. It's um, hopefully will go very, very well. I hope you enjoyed this episode and don't forget you can subscribe to The Birding Life on all your social media and favorite podcasting platforms. Until next time, happy birding and be blessed.